Alive and Kicking on News Talk. Yes, you can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire McKenna Presents. Coming up this morning, Siobhan O'Hagan on the power of our values and how it's okay to change course. Lisa Brady and Fergal Harrington give their thoughts on why you're single, and Lorraine Boyce, the down below physio, on taking health out of the taboo. So what kind of health and wellness week did I have? Well, I was down in Cork for my gut health event, which was fab. So great to meet so many of you. Thank you to everybody who came. And I got the train down, which was a first, really. I mean, not the first time I've ever been on a train, of course. But for a work event, I would usually take the car or for any big long distance. And I always think it's nice to listen to a podcast or maybe catch up on some phone calls. But I have found from this experience, that it is way less draining on the train. That can be their new tagline if they want. Even though I brought that laptop and I did do a little bit of work, it was a more of a switch off than the car could ever be. And of course, it was better for the planet. And I am really passionate about gut health. So it felt great to be sharing that message because it's a focus on nourishing your body for improvement in your mood, your energy levels and your immunity. And When you begin focusing on nourishing yourself rather than restrictive fads and diets, that's the language I want to be speaking all of the time. So I will definitely hold something in person again soon. And I am definitely looking at planning something with the Alive and Kicking community very, very soon. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. Now, Siobhan O'Hagan was a previous guest on the show talking about how she changed from corporate life to personal trainer and then was living life on her terms, which brought her all over the world with just her laptop and no real roots. So I was interested to see her share another life change which came her way and I was shocked at some of the backlash she received. Siobhan, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) So you were in Bali uh, living your best life in inverted commas, as they say. And tell people about, was it a video or somebody sent you something that you watched that suddenly an inner voice started speaking to you? Yeah, um, it was actually, yeah, it was a video I'd watched about, I suppose it was about having a bit of purpose in life. Like I had... I'd always been really enjoying everything I was doing and I've kind of used my my compass of waking up and thinking, am I happy? Yes, keep going. And so that, you know, had me living the dream in Bali and I really was happy. And But this video, and I think I related it back to my jujitsu training, which is like martial arts and that challenge and struggle that I loved every day in training. I was like, I think I need to apply this to my life. And that's what the video was about, that there can be, purpose and beauty in the struggles of day-to-day life and uh, there's more context to it but it just got me really thinking I was like what am I really doing like if I'm just living with this goal of day-to-day happiness but there's no underlying purpose anymore Uh, and uh, so that kind of just got me thinking and got me moving and then I ended up moving to London because I just was like I need more of a challenge in my life which is a weird thing to say, you know, like, it, and it comes from a very privileged position to be able to say that. But, you know, I needed to feel like I was challenged a bit more in life. And I think that's what moving back to this side of the world did for me. And that's why I think this is such an interesting conversation, because it's kind of based on values, isn't it? And yeah. I, I know you spend a lot of time, you know, reading and learning and personal development is, is huge for you. And, and coming back to your values 
and how they can change over time because we don't really allow for that in society enough, do we? Yeah, that's exactly what went through my head because I've always lived off these values of freedom and happiness and health a little bit more so as I got older. But freedom and happiness are where I was making all these life decisions. So I was happy to not have any roots because it fitted into my values of freedom. And But then I had that moment after watching this and kind of doing a bit of soul searching and I was like, what if our values are holding us away from other life experiences and which is fine so I'd have friends that value security and family or something like that and that would maybe they wouldn't have the experience of maybe traveling Asia or something like that but that's fine you know as long as you're following your own values but then I was like what if you changed values and I think that's what was slowly happening to me and I you could just say I was getting older um, and I just didn't see the same um, benefits from from chasing freedom and happiness anymore and then I was like, what if, you know, obviously my family are so important to me and being on the other side of the world is great for a while. But then you realise you're missing a lot of life events with friends and family. Um, and yeah, I mean, I did have that reason at that moment where I saw this little family on the beach and I was like, what if, you know, my what if I'm missing out on life by saying I don't want kids and because I wanted all this freedom. Uh, and here we are now I'm pregnant. <laughs> So you, I mean, obviously you knew you were pregnant and you announced to friends and family before you announced to Instagram, but you have a very loyal following. And how did it feel for you to put that post out there? I, I was really, really nervous because I had previously said I didn't want kids. But even when I did that before, I always, I think I always knew you can change. Like I had seen how much I had changed through my life. So I think one time I'd posted about not wanting kids years ago when I was on my own on the beach in Bali. And I even like wrote at the end, I was like, if my future child is watching this, apologies. Um, but I knew I, I could change my mind. Uh, so when I, I think, I think I was really happy and really kind of convinced in what I knew I was like what I knew I was doing was right for me so there wasn't really there was kind of nervous because I knew I thought people would be like hey you said and obviously because I had when I did talk about not wanting kids obviously I had a lot of support for that as well from women who didn't and I still think there is a you know I, I, I there was the people who at the time were telling me I told you so or you know that you, you'll change your mind and I was afraid they'd say I told you so but I have to say the the response was so positive. Like I couldn't believe it. Um, and because I put a podcast out at the same time to try and put more context in it, because it is very hard online to put context in everything you're saying, uh, especially when people are just seeing you for the first time or, you know, have maybe have some preconceived uh ideas about you. So I was actually overwhelmed with support and love and shock. I think I surprised a lot of people. But I, I, I suppose it still shows that you're just doing life on your terms. You know, so it's the same Siobhan that had her laptop in Bali that is now settling down to have a baby with a partner. You know, that's the same freedom. I yeah. know you've sort of yeah. changed your values a little bit and family has maybe come into it in a bit of security. But you're still living life on your terms. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I talk about all these values changing and all this, but it, I think it maybe internally it was just getting a bit older. And I just, I don't know if it started being like, yeah, that is actually a good way to live. Whereas in your 20s, I'm like, imagine having kids and settling down. But now it feels like the right thing. 
And were there people then, because maybe it was on your podcast that I heard it, that people were a little angered that you had completely changed course and where did that leave them? And, and, and how do you navigate that connection with the community that I know you've built that's been hugely positive, but that sometimes you have this responsibility to live a certain way, to live up to their ideals? Yeah, no, I mean, I think everything I do, no matter what, is comes with criticism. So as long as I know that, I suppose the people who genuinely support me have supported this 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 decision. So, if there was ever um, if there was criticism, you know, if if it came from a, a sort of genuine place where they're confused or like, you know, I thought you were one of us. I thought you didn't want kids. And being able to explain myself rationally is uh, is important. But I think no matter like no matter what I do, I get criticism. So, I think as I said, as long as I'm happy at what I'm doing and my decisions and. Uh, I think that's how I handle it. Uh, And, you know, there's obviously a lot of blocking and ignoring and um, I suppose acceptance that, you know, not everyone's going to be happy with how I live my life. And that's fine as long as I am. So you have come back to Dublin now. I thought that was interesting that you went to London first. You're like, no, I'm not coming all the way home. I'll just come next door. But you are back in Dublin now. And is this where you're going to have your baby? Yes, that's the plan. Um, You think you have to be near your mum and dad. Um, <laughs> it takes a village. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and yeah, I, th- I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I go with the flow. Like, I don't have the urge to travel as you know. I feel like I kind of got it out of my system. So, I mean, a couple of people are saying like, go travel while the baby can fly for free, and uh, and like my sister is having a baby in Portugal, so I probably will be back and forth. But I don't know. Might I might still travel a bit, but it's I've kind of yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to getting a house with a garden and. Yeah, I guess this is adulting. Just yeah. a bit late. <laughs> and how have you found the whole pregnancy? Because obviously you talk a lot about body change and all the changes your body has gone through from, you know, bodybuilding, competing to personal training to letting all the rules go. And this is another letting go. This is another big physical change. Yeah, I think I was in a really good place with my relationship with my body when I got pregnant. But I was doing a lot of, uh, as I said, like jujitsu and like, performance training and obviously really training really hard which I had to cut out and that was actually really hard just because my identity like my day-to-day life of sharing my life online obviously I was kind of hiding a lot of things wasn't really explaining why I was just lying on the couch in January doing nothing and but I mean I was still training a bit not doing like all the things I loved and that's what I struggled with a bit was just my identity I think but then once I came back to Dublin I got back into CrossFit and which I think sounds dramatic if you think pregnancy and CrossFit but just scaling everything to safe ability like I've done the prenatal training course and I feel great I think it's really helped me um I think it's like it's almost what's the opposite of a vicious circle but it's helped me like training's helped me feel good and then I feel good because I'm training and I think there are I feel lucky to be able to because I know obviously some people have to I mean can be even bed bound for pregnancy so I'm just grateful that I can train and what my body can do and really listening to it as well so like I it might look online that I'm doing a lot but I'm spending a lot of time lying down as well. And what about values then if somebody's listening and, and doesn't know how to find what those are. How, how, how do you? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I have all my clients do this when they sign up to like my programme because it's even when it comes to 
making decisions based on your health and fitness. Like, I think you need to be clear on your values and goals. Um, so even, I would even suggest just getting a list online of typical values and just see what resonates with you. And then if you do, and then writing out goals, but I, I mean, I think it's best to go write a goal for each value. Um, I think it makes it easier to make decisions based off what you really want deep down rather than what maybe you see people around you doing and what you think you should be doing. Um, so yeah, a lot of reading. I think that's what helps, like a lot of, I suppose all these self-development books that I've read over the years have helped me be a little bit clearer on what's important to me. Um, so yeah, I would say nail down your values. Journaling is a big thing for me. Again, with a fitness program, people are like, why are you making me journal? But I think it's important to be making decisions and being clear on your own thoughts and just taking that space to think about what's important to you day to day uh, in a world where it's, you know, you're hit with everyone else's ideas 24-7. Yeah, it's there's a lot of noise, isn't there? Particularly when to relax, we pick up Instagram and start scrolling and we are being shown a whole other host of different ways of living life. It can be hard to tune into yourself. So sometimes going back to the old fashioned pen and paper can be the only way to really get inside your own head and, and cut through all that noise. So do you think about the future or because you've meandered so many times, do you think who knows what the future may bring and you're open to it? Yeah, I mean, I've absolutely no idea where it's going, <laughs> but I'm just enjoying the process. I think like even even when I was thinking about moving back to Dublin, I was like, will it be OK? And now I'm loving it. And yeah, so I just don't know. And I think just, again, living my life based off my current values, they might change again. Um, but at the moment, no, I've no, I've no life plan as usual. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that is a fantastic life plan to have. You also have a podcast now, Life Lessons. Are you enjoying doing that? Yeah, and like for years everyone said, do you want to do a podcast? But I, I didn't want to do one just on fitness and nutrition or anything like that. I, this is more so I can have interesting conversations and learn from other people about random things. It's almost a little bit selfish. You know, like I did one on breastfeeding and feeding your baby and, you know, different kind of random topics. But I think I find that really rewarding because then I think it's really good having interesting conversations with from people with different views. Yeah, that's why I've made it my living. It's my <laughs> favourite thing to do. Well, thank you for coming in to have this conversation. You're one of my favourite followers on Instagram. Thank Tell you. people your handle. Uh, it's Shiv, S-I-O-B-H dot O'Hagan. Brilliant. Siobhan, wish you all the best with the baby and maybe you'll come back to tell us about your next big life change. Who knows? Thank you. Alive and kicking on News Talk. Now, my next guests, Lisa Brady, features editor with The Daily Mail and Fergal Harrington, a professional matchmaker, have just launched a podcast, This Is Why You Are Single, and they join me in studio now. Well, you're both very welcome. Thanks, Thank you Claire. very much. <laughs> so how did this all come about? How do you two know each other? I've uh, been running intro uh, matchmaking for the last 14 years and I suppose would uh, do different sort of bits of media and uh, I did a piece to camera with the Daily Mail group their last year which uh, went down very well uh, apparently and so they got in touch and we said let's just do something together let's do a podcast because the best way to reach people who are actually interested in a topic is radio and podcasts. And we said, there's nothing out there at the moment that just looks at dating, looks at the pitfalls, looks at the hurdles that people are facing when they are trying to meet a loved one. And so many stories, it's not even funny in my head, that just were bursting to get out. And so then when the Daily Mail group got on and they said, OK, the features editor, Lisa Brady, would love to do this with you. Would you be interested? I said, well, of course I would. And we met and instantaneously we realised that there was a proper bond, a connection there. 
we clash all the time. We Not disagree. a trauma bond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> or a romantic bond. No, Not romantic no, no, either. No, no, no. 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 Sister brotherly kind of yeah, bond. I'd say. We yeah, would, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We 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 uh, we jibe, and uh, yeah. she has lots of experience. Not lots yeah. of experience, you know, in the in the dating industry. But you, uh, <laughs> what are you trying to say, Fergal? <laughs> she has experience, don't you? Yeah, well, I suppose, um, you know, as Fergal was saying, um, features editor with the Irish Daily Mail um, and Dean. DMG Group have a um, a production company called Space Two, and that's who are looking after. Um, is this why you're single? So we are. Uh, yeah, we 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 just we decided to go with the first season, and it's going down really well. And I I think yes, I, as Fergal was saying, um, <laughs> my dating experience. No, you know, look, I was married. Um, I'm now separated. I've got two um, beautiful daughters. And um, I suppose I'm I'm coming at um, this angle um, and from a very different perspective. Um, you know, Fergal is obviously knows all the ins and outs of the dating scene, and I suppose I've been reintroduced to the dating scene um, after. Um, couple of decades perhaps. Well yeah because I, <laughs> I suppose I, I'm coming out from the point of view that I'm listening to people for the last 14 years talk about how difficult it is to meet people how trust is an issue and deception mm. and online dating leads to so much exhaustion and people then become very jaded and they lose an awful lot of hope and mm. so I said for God's sake we need to just start talking about this like people talk about mental health all the time and it's now no longer a taboo uh, whereas dating still has that slight stigma it's lifting but there's still a slight taboo there so we want to lift that start the conversation and, st- and start people talking uh, about the fact that it's okay that I'm single if I don't want to be but I'm going to just talk about how hard I find it because in Ireland there's 1.55 million single, unattached, never married and 418,000 separated and divorced. In a nation of 5 million odd it's pretty startling. So uh, we said look let's just let's just talk about this because there's no need for this amount of people to be single if they don't want to be and I suppose we, we, we sometimes can put obstacles in our way um, and we make a lot of mistakes and we go for the same types over and over again. And we, you know, at intro, I'd often say, look, guys, you're saying that you only want this. You only want that. They must be this height and that color and that whatever. But you're, the type hasn't worked so far. So, so change things up, be open minded. And so get out of your own way a lot of the time is what we need to do. But with Lisa, she's very relatable because she's going through, well, she had the separation and then she's second time around. And when, when you're a parent and you're second time around, you start thinking, not, I'm not Lisa now, but what age am I? I'm, I'm over the hill. I've got people ringing up saying I'm over the hill. There's no point. I'm 44. What's the point of doing it anymore? Maybe I'll I just I think you accept. are speaking about me because I am 44. <laughs> but there's so many people <laughs> But it there. is. And you do feel, I, I, I'd imagine, you know, with kids, we, we start to see, not them, but the, this whole idea and separation is sort of baggage. It's very different than mm. the wide-eyed 19, 20-year-old. But yes. these, you're right, are the kind of taboos that we need to start breaking down. Mm. And do you think we need to have a significant other to be happy in life? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I think like I think we're all kind of, you know, made for connection. I think that connection is the big thing that we're all looking for. Um, but I think if you, I suppose, come to um, you know, as as Fergus saying, the dating dating game kind of naive and sort of like you know, I don't know. It's it's very different. Modern dating is very different, and it's a very different beast to just you know meeting somebody you know as as you may have done in the past, like when you're out in the pub or you know through a friend or whatever it may be. So yeah, you really have to go in with your eyes wide open and um and 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 develop a thick skin, you know. And I think that if you're not 
content within yourself and you're not kind of like, you know, you, you don't have your ducks in a row from that point of view. It can be quite, it's challenging. And, you know, it, it could even be more damaging than anything else. And that's what an awful lot of women will call and say uh, specifically that, you know, I'm organised. Women are great at planning ahead. We're perpetual planners. Amazing. Five, yeah. ten years, I know where I'm going to be. I know where I want to be. I want to be the partner in that law firm. I want to be in that career path. I want uh, to have my education complete. Whereas guys will plod along with a little bit of a, are sure we'll wait and see how it goes. And sure, what's meant for you won't pass you by. And I detest that expression because we Irish are a nation of procrastinators. And we continuously <laughs> say... As, 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 you're, you're thinking from the male perspective. No, actually oh, no. That's oh. on both both sexes. Uh, we do. We continuously say, maybe I'll do that when I lose a bit of weight. And then the weight is lost. And then we look at our teeth and they're not as white as they'd like them to be. So maybe I'll be more saleable if I wait until my teeth are whitened. All the while... I'm now three years older. I'm four years older. I had a guy on the phone recently and he was 48. And the first time he started contacting the company, he was 36. And then he started giving out to me that I wouldn't guarantee him a 33-year-old woman. And I said, you may have had a chance of meeting a 33-year-old woman had you done this when you were 36, but you didn't. So that's on you. You know, we need to take ownership and responsibility for the fact that if I am single and I don't want to be, what am I doing about not being single? And more often than not, it's nothing. Because we have this attitude, especially the guys, oh, sure, I'm, I'm sure I'll meet someone naturally or in real life, they often say. I was like, well, this is real life. You're on the phone to a company, a matchmaking company here. This is real life. And IRL, you have to get yeah. with the acronym now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Okay, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't familiar. I was thinking Ireland. Uh, yeah, so that's why people just need to just start putting themselves out there and just stop worrying about what the neighbours are going to think because that whole twitchy curtain, nosy neighbour kind of mentality is still very much alive and not so well. Uh, and in, in an awful lot of people around the country will ring me and they'll say, okay, well, I'm separated. And I say, are you? And they say, yeah. I said, are you, are you physically and legally separated? And they'll often say, well, no, no, I suppose we live under the same roof, but we haven't talked now in a good 15 to 20 years. And so we just have an agreement because we wouldn't separate now for fear of what the neighbours might think because my sister's it's a nun and my brother's a priest. It's not only that. It's like they probably can't, maybe they can't afford to. That's a huge problem, especially post-COVID. Yeah. That, you know, you've got a lot of separated couples living under the same roof who can't afford to run to Household. The effect that and the trauma that that would bring to someone's mental health, living under the same roof and not talking for 15 years. I mean, that's that's outrageous. And that happens all over the place, mainly rural Ireland, because of the pressure that we feel about what people will consider or think of us. And it's the reputational damage. And there's an awful lot of people then as well that will remain single as long as possible, saying, oh, sure, I couldn't possibly start dating now. Sure, my mother needs me. She has dementia and I have to look after her. I'm her carer. So a lot of, and I hate saying excuses, but a lot of excuses are used as to why not to do something that terrifies us. And people are terrified of putting themselves out there for fear of rejection. It might not work out, so it's better off just not doing it at all. Unfortunately, that's, I don't mean to be grim, but that is how a lot of people think. And that's why we want to be a little bit more positive about this, saying it's not all bad. Everyone does feel the same way as you. So put yourself out there. And Lisa, how mm. is the modern dating world then? Because I'd say, you know, when you were first dating before yeah. you, you got married, mm-hmm. there wasn't the, the Tinder and the online dating and God the swiping no. and all that. So how different is it? Oh, it's, it's worlds apart. Like, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's changed so much. It's kind of evolved into this, like, you know, something that I, I don't think we fully understand the consequences of it, you know, and sort of like, and, and from a, and I know there's some apps now that have that mental health kind of, you know, um, you know, that, that they're more mindful of it. Um, but, 
you know, like I remember like back, you know, sort of like, you know, early 30s, online dating was in, very much in its infancy. And, it, you know, if you were online dating, it was like, God, it must be desperate. You know, you can't actually meet someone in real life. But now it's kind of the go-to for meeting somebody. And it is very daunting, I think, for the, you know, uninitiated. Because it is, it's like, it's like a whole new lexicon even of, you know, like you're, you've got, you lose your manners. Like, and you start off thinking everyone is like, you know, you're kind of like, you know, a little bit naive and you think everyone is, is being quite nice. And, you know, and then you you slowly realise that actually um, there is, you know, there's a very, there's a limited pool. First of all, the same people keep cropping up all the time. That's and then, for you. And it's not, and it's not even that. It's like, then you don't actually know if who you're speaking to is who they say they are or even an actual person. You know, that's what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. and I mean... You know, like it's evolved from catfishing to actually, well, like, you know, we're all the talk of AI, you know, possibly destroying humanity. I think it it started with (laughs) online dating. Oh my God. You know, and the concept of, you know, because you just don't know. and, And, you know, you kind of consider like, what are the reasons for this? You know, okay, some people might guess, you know, from a catfishing or for, you know, that they're getting the kind of kicks that way. Yeah. Um, but it is real and it's happened to everyone who's been online dating, have been catfished or ghosted or, you know, breadcrumbed. I know this all sounds a little bit like, what is she talking about? So we're talking about like... What's breadcrumbed? Is it, is this, are we talking, are we dealing in the culinary world? Breadcrumbs is you, you kind of leave the, the you know, the kind of, the, you think that somebody is has, has left your, you know, I suppose your world, your um, online and otherwise. And then they start to kind of like trickle back in. You know, they might like comment on your Instagram or on your, you know, say, um, or just get, give a little sneaky like here and there. And you realise that they're kind of, or maybe even comment on, oh, you're looking great or how are you, you know. So they're kind of like a little bit, oh, we must meet up for that drink. But you're never going to hear They're keeping their again. options open. They're, they're, they're using options, you, basically. Exactly. And that's what I would think is the problem with online dating. I Too mean, I've choice. even seen people in bars or restaurants mm. yeah. while their date has gone to oh, the yeah. bathroom, they're beginning yeah. to swipe Swiping. again. I, I mean, how disposable does that make? That's, that's, disposable that's why it's and so, disrespectful. It's, it's dismissive. You know? And like yeah. we do, it's such a transient kind of uh, place to be or platform to be put in that your self-worth, you start to question yourself. I mean, we did mm. a survey uh, a while back that said 52% of over 25-year-olds felt hopeless about ever meeting anyone because they just get ghosted all the time and they think that they're going to be witty for the next two or three weeks and every night they'll write these really amazing little comments and they'll hopefully come back to me within the next uh, few seconds when I see the blue ticks. And like, and then we're constantly dependent on people's approval and people's, yeah. you know, it's justification. Like, and it's, it's, and like it's like scary. a dopamine hit as it well, is. isn't it? And it's like, you know, what exactly are you looking for? Are you looking for that? Or are you looking for true connection? But when you have people you know, on, online who are actually genuinely invested physically, mentally and financially and they want to meet someone but then it's sprinkled with a load of people who are just playing on it and just, yeah. just out to get you know a one night stand or whatever that really does a number on people's confidence levels and now as you were mentioning Or with just the, having these little like quasi relationships like you know just you know like, yeah. like let's just have a bit of crack on the phone well, bored yeah. having a few drinks I've heard of a story where that way you know and obviously if it descends into something you know sexual if it's just even chat or whatever that's grand you know well, yeah. don't actually have to meet somebody but there are know, some people who the use the effort of that there are some people who use <laughs> Tinder for um 
for free nights. They don't they don't want to yeah. actually spend money on taxis. So I'm in a different oh place now. I, I can't get the bus home. So I'll just sleep with somebody and then I'll get home tomorrow. So How controversial, Virgil. Wow. That, yeah, that, don't that, get them started on, um, on on sleeping with someone on the first date. Don't well, do it. We don't have don't. time to get into that, no? Virgil. <laughs> but are you still hopeful? I mean, are, are you hopeful? All mm. that said, yeah. Lisa. Of course, like you know, that's that's what life's all about, isn't it? You know, you have to be hopeful. Um, it's you know, I think if you lose hope um, of you know of of connection or of love or hap- you know, lasting happiness um, in whatever form, that's you know, that's uh, sure what's it all. What's and believing that you're worthy of that, yeah, you know, 100%. that you're happy where you are. but yeah. it would be an exactly. Added well, bonus. I think you know, a relationship or a, you know, it should enhance your life and and not leave you feeling stressed or less than. Or, you know, like you want to actually feel fulfilled and, you know, that, that you're actually, that that you've got a freedom too in yourself. Like, and I think that's the most important thing is to, you know, that those boxes are being ticked because, you know, you shouldn't feel like, as, as Fergal is saying, that you're feeling under pressure to find somebody because you're, you know, your parents think you should be, you know, in a relationship or your friends are all hooked up or whatever it may be. It's like, no, you want to be in that, in a relationship with somebody for the actual love of it and joy of it. But it's surprising people do need to be reminded that there are good people out there because they ring and they say, hey, intro, I mean, are there any decent, genuine people who want a relationship? And I say, of course, where are you looking? And they often say the online dating apps. And I say, well, that's because you're putting yourself into a pool of a free app a lot of the time where you can say and do what you like. Mm-hmm. You need to put yourself into a pool of like-minded individuals that are actually invested fully in it, that are like-minded, that want the same outcome as you. And luckily enough, we now have a great success, right? One in four ends in marriage or long-term relationships. But it sounds like you're also saying you need to take a long, hard look at yourself, the choices you're making, yeah. what's brought you here yes. in a good and a bad way and that's what you cover in the podcast. It's called Is This Why You're Single? It is available on all platforms now. Fergal Harrington and Lisa Brady, thank you very, very much. Thank you so Thanks, much. Sir. Alive and Kicking on News Talk. You're welcome back to Alive and Kicking. Lorraine Boyce is a chartered physiotherapist in Letterkenny, Donegal, now known as the Down Below Physio. Lorraine mainly works with pelvic health and is passionate about sharing the message that no health issue should ever be taboo. And she joins me now. Lorraine, how are you? Thank you for having me, Claire. And Lorraine, you and I met on R&AM a while back. I was Googling for our photo, so I have it to share. We we have an age today. Not at all. And it's such an important topic. I learned so much from you then that I'm, I'm delighted to have you on the show now to share it because it's getting a bit more discussed with social media, but I still don't think enough people know about pelvic health. Absolutely. I see that all the time in my clinic. I find that clients are coming into me on referral from maybe a friend, but they are only finding out about me then. They've been maybe struggling with issues for years. And one of the most common things I hear in the clinic is, I just didn't even know this existed. I didn't know that physio could do cover this kind of issue. So yeah, I think it's great then when people tell each other and friends talk to each other and mums tell their daughters about it. And we get a chance to come on radio here and and talk about these issues and highlight the role of pelvic health physios. So let's go right back then with to basics. Uh, and, and what is it? Is it just for women? Um, Well, pelvic health physio can offer services for men and women and actually children as well. I suppose most commonly I would see women at my clinic because 
women tend to have a lot of issues with through pregnancy and postnatal and through perimenopause, menopause. So um, the, the majority of my clients are women, but both men and women do need pelvic health physio at various times. For men, I would see clients who have had maybe you know, uh, issues with prostate or prostate surgery and then they have incontinence afterwards or pelvic pain and erectile dysfunction, maybe bladder control issues as well. And I think while I see women most commonly in the clinic, I think for men, because they're, they're, they don't associate, you know, themselves as having pelvic floor issues, I think it's more of a shock to them when they do have it. And I think it um, it's it's quite stressful and upsetting for for men to have issues because they really don't feel that they can talk about it. Um, whereas I suppose with women we are um, we do talk about it a little bit more and we're we're able to maybe open up a little bit more about the issues we're having. What is good pelvic health? Like, what are the symptoms that you'll be getting if you aren't experiencing good pelvic health? Yeah, so I think the the main symptoms might be if you are leaking, so leaking urine, if you have difficulty with bladder or bowel control. So it might be just making it to the toilet in time for either bladder or bowel, having difficulty making it in time, maybe leaking with exercise. It could be leaking if you cough or sneeze or laugh. It could be prolapse symptoms as well, which would present as a heaviness or a bulging feeling at the vagina. And it can also be pelvic pain. So it could be an overactive tight pelvic floor where symptoms of pain present, maybe pain with internal exams or pain with sex. And then a pattern of overactive bladder where you're dashing to the toilet all the time, running really frequently and urgently. And I think that's always something I'm keen to talk about in my social media is that when we think of pelvic floor, we think if there's any problem with it, then the pelvic floor muscles must be weak and we need to do Kegels, those typical squeezes to strengthen it up. But actually, as often in my clinic, as I see somebody coming in with weakness, I see as many clients coming in with tightness and overactive pelvic floor. And I think that's where some people don't realise or pelvic floor muscles can be too tight, too stiff and not actually letting go. And that can cause as much of a problem as weak muscles. So that's when it's great to see a pelvic health physio because you could be guessing that your pelvic floor is weak and needs those typical squeezes, whereas actually you may need some guidance to actually relax those muscles and let them go. And the typical Kegel squeezes won't actually be of benefit. So it's really good to make sure that you're getting the right assessment, that you know what's happening with your pelvic floor. And so I suppose um, the symptoms that we present with I often find that clients are coming to me saying they've had symptoms for quite a while. They've been putting up with them because they're not too bad. And I often find clients wait until things are quite troublesome before they actually seek help. But if you listen to the early warning signs of any of those little leaks, even if it's only just a little dribble here, you know, don't don't put up with it. You know, see to it early. It's easier to manage these things before they become very advanced. Yeah, and that's interesting you say that because I, I wanted to ask you, should we be getting access to a pelvic physio before things go wrong? Should that be just part of our health checks over our life? Yeah, I think so. And I'm encouraging a lot of clients to come in to me when things are quite good to check things over, especially in pregnancy is a great time. You know, a lot of women are, they become pregnant and things are, are quite good for most women at that stage before they've had their babies. And that's a great time to come in and avail of pelvic health physio 
to find out at that stage how to do pelvic floor exercises, how to prepare for that first delivery. And that's something I'll be focusing on this summer with a lot of online programs, as well as birth preparation, preparing the perineum, you know, birth positions to potentially reduce or um, reduce your chance of needing intervention or episiotomy. And I suppose I see a lot of clients now during pregnancy. And if you can do something at all to support your pelvic health then, it will definitely assist your recovery in the postnatal period and down the line as well. And I think the idea of waiting until something goes wrong before we see to our pelvic health, it's a case of when it's not giving us bother, we forget about it. But actually, I always encourage, you know, um, any any people who are um, who I'm speaking to to consider their pelvic health, to, you know, reminding them that pelvic floor exercises are for every day, for everyone, whether you're having symptoms or not. And, you know, we can. it's never too early to start thinking about your pelvic floor health. And it's also never too late to start thinking about your pelvic floor health. And there are some other countries where you are given a physio. Yeah, As absolutely. part of your, your health care, not only when you have a baby. Um, and I was really surprised having two babies myself that there is no physical exam. It's yeah. just, are you OK? Yes. You know, you goodbye. Go. And, yeah. and, and, you know, that's that's huge. It is. And it's something that I talk with my clients about a lot. And they do find that they're the after service, after you've had a baby, it really is quite lacking um, unless you specifically seek out pelvic health visit yourself privately or you have a very specific issue that you go to your GP and your GP refers you. You may never see anyone for any follow up on your pelvic floor health, on your tummy health. And you and I think it would save a lot of problems down the line in 10, 20, 30 years after you've had your baby, if we could, you know, pick up on the little things, you know, and really just support women after they've had their babies. And it can be pelvic floor health. It's also C-section. As much as in the hospitals, I think you might be given some general basic advice about pelvic floor exercises after a vaginal delivery. After you've had a section delivery, I find a lot of the mums coming into me are saying they really didn't get any information about how to manage their C-section scar, that C-section scar massage is beneficial. Um, I don't think anyone's really advised to check for diastasis recti of the tummy muscles. You know, so there's a lot of things that are left untouched. And you're right, there are countries that do provide quite good aftercare as, as several sessions as standard. And I think in the future, I'm hoping that's the way it will go, but I think it will just take time to get there. But at least if people know it is available, um, even if it is in a private capacity or through referral through your GP, they can then seek it out and they know it's there for them at least. So even at least while we're waiting for the, for the you know, the HSE and the, the health service to to provide that for us, at least if we can at least raise awareness that there is a service there, at least that's a start. Yeah, and just talk about these things, which we've started to talk or to think are embarrassing, but they're not. You know, it's the same as anything that you need to get checked out that can be fixed that you can move on from. Because I think we do sort of say, oh, sure, I'll have a baby. I've had a baby. So walking up the stairs, I'm bound to urinate a little bit or when I cough and laugh. And you actually don't have to live with that or or pain that's impacting upon your relationships. That's it. I find that a lot of my clients are quite, they're quite relieved and quite happy to come into me and to have a dedicated hour where they can talk to me about all of their symptoms. They're just so delighted to get a place and a space for themselves 
where they can talk about how their pelvic health is maybe affecting their their intimacy with their partner and their, you know, their day to day ability to work and be a mum and and to be able to talk about the things that they are saying to me, oh, this might be TMA and I'm always reminding them, no, there is no such thing as TMA in a pelvic health clinic. Absolutely everything can be talked about and the more we know, the more we can assess and help. So it's great that I can offer that to clients, but I think it is great now. That's the the positive side of social media. There's a lot more information, a lot of great accounts out there that highlight these issues and that normalise talking about them. And I suppose, I mean, I'm trying to do that myself. I cover these topics. I do a weekly live topic every Monday. Um, I pick a topic and I put a question box in my stories and at least people can ask me their questions anonymously and then I can reply to them and discuss them on the live segment. And I think it is great that um, people are starting to to talk openly and freely about these things. And I have a lot of clients coming in saying they're telling their friends once they've been to my service, they're they're and when they're meeting their friends for coffee, they're saying, oh, I was at, you know, the down below physio and this is what it involves. And you should definitely go. And that's a great place to be in at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you, Lorraine. And can we talk about the exercises again then? Because there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of equipment now that you can buy. Is that necessary? I think it was a Netflix show I was watching and the, the, the girls in it went to some class where there was yeah. weights and coconuts and all that, was, yeah. that were hanging there. I mean, is that necessary? It's not necessary. I think at the st- as a starting point, I always get clients to make sure that first of all, they can just get connected with their pelvic floor, that they can do a basic contract and full relaxation, that they can work the muscle through its range of movement, that they can squeeze it fully and let it go fully that they can maybe build up their own active conscious ability to hold and squeeze for 10 seconds, let it go. Once they can do that, um, I then, and they've maybe progressed on through their training, um, sometimes then maybe ladies have more of a physical demand on their body. They're doing intensive training or they have a lot of respiratory issues if they're coughing intensively and they need a little bit more from their pelvic floor than what just those basic squeezes can give them. That's when then I sometimes bring in vaginal weights or I bring in an electrotherapy device or I bring in something else to progress their training to the next level. And I do I do recommend little weights in the clinic quite often, especially for anyone young and active who really wants to put their pelvic floor to the test. And I suppose then the other side of it is the gadgets and devices that are out there, and there are so many, can be helpful as well at the start if you're struggling to do a squeeze yourself. So if somebody comes into me and they're finding it very hard to get even a flicker of a contraction, that's when then a lot of the little devices and gadgets can be useful to get them started, to do it for them and to maybe uh, give them a little sensation of the feeling there at the pelvic floor. There are little devices where the probe can be inserted internally a little stick remains to the outside and when you squeeze, you can squeeze around the feeling of the probe so it gives you something to actually physically squeeze around and the probe will move in the in a certain direction if you're squeezing the right way. So there's, I always kind of sum, summarise it by there, there are things that you can use out there, devices and gadgets that will help you get started if the muscles are very weak and that will help to really progress the end stage training if your muscles are already really good. And then for most people though, I would be working with them where they, they're they in that midsection where they're not struggling. They're maybe not looking to load up intensively, but that's where the general day-to-day routine of pelvic floor exercises are so important. And creating that healthy habit of being able to do that yourself is really good. And creating it as a daily habit, linking it to something you do, reminders on the phone, post-its on the bathroom or whatever works. 
Um, what kind of feedback have you had then from clients? In terms of the kind of working with a pelvic health physio? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. I think that's one of the, the best things about my job actually is to see how much it means to somebody when you when you've worked with them and they get some relief from their symptoms. I had a lady in recently who was in her 80s and she had a stage four womb prolapse, which essentially means that her womb has descended low and not just low inside, but actually moves to the outside. So it can present as a big bulge. Her organ is sitting outside and it's it was really uncomfortable for her. She felt like she was sitting on it. She had to press it up out of the way. She couldn't walk any distance. She couldn't travel or holiday. And so what I did for that lady, as well as training her pelvic floor exercises, I fitted a pessary, which is a little silicone support. And I fitted a very specific type of pessary, not just the general ring pessary, but a very specific kind. And it was able to support that organ back up inside her body. So that now means that her organ is back up inside, the womb is back inside, she's able to move around day to day. She travelled to America with a friend recently and she came in and she she comes in for checks of that pessary every now and again, every three to six months. And she every time she leaves, she says, this has just changed my life. And she's just so delighted to have gotten the relief. And it's great to see how much that means to her. And that is every week there's somebody coming in, whether it's painful sex or maybe they have the condition vaginismus and they can't have sex with their partner. And when they get to that point where they've worked through their treatment sessions and then they're able to have sex pain free with their partner. And it's just it's a lovely moment to to have with that client. And I just share that happiness they have, you know, that they're experiencing to get to that point. It's great work you're doing, Lorraine. How did you get into this particular chosen field? Um, I had done general physio for years and I always laugh that I started my physio career in New Zealand and working with rugby teams. So I've gone a completely different direction really from where I started. Um, Very different line of work now. Um, But I think over the years I had taught Pilates first of all. So I was a Pilates instructor and as part of that you're working with core engagement. And then I just... I don't know what kind of, I think a lot of clients were coming into me saying that they were having pelvic health issues, but that wasn't covered in our basic degree. I don't know if it is now actually in the in the physiotherapy degree course, but I think we got a, a one two hour lecture in women's health and that covered everything. Pelvic floor, pregnancy, postnatal, menopause wasn't mentioned at that stage. And so you're left as a, as a new graduate physiotherapist with very little specific knowledge on a woman's body and how the menstrual cycle affects, you know, function and physicality. So really, you know, women's health was something that I just felt I didn't know a lot about. So I did a a weekend course on pelvic floor and thought, sure, I'll learn everything there and realised that it would be a lifelong learning process. I've done so many courses since I have, you know, I've done them in England, Ireland. I've linked in with courses in Australia and America. And I feel like I've learned so much and gained so much experience from that. But it's just been a steady process over the years of building the expertise as you treat clients and doing the courses. And every time you think you've kind of covered um, a topic, then there's a more in-depth course you can do. And I think I'll always continue to learn. Even as I was driving uh, to Dublin to to meet with you actually this morning, I was listening to podcasts and there's some great content there. You're always able to to listen to other experts in the field as well, which is great. And of course, learning then from your lovely clients <laughs> and it's an excellent name down below Physio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let people know where they can find you. So I am based in Donegal and the clinic is down below Physio. 
and I will be offering online services this summer, including birth preparation and postnatal recovery. And I think the best way people can find me is just on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Down Below Physio. And I have a weekly newsletter as well. If anyone wants to subscribe, they can contact me on the social media. I do a weekly topic every week. Lorraine Boyce, Down Below Physio. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. So that's it for Alive and Kicking for this week. My thanks to my producer Aoife Breen, to all of my guests today and to Hugo De Silva-Scott who was on sound and thanks as ever to you for listening. I will see you next week. Alive and Kicking on News Talk.